Haley, so we are at season two now. Yeah. It, we had seven episodes. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> What's your favorite episode that we've done so far? I, I uh, liked the episodes where we talked about the history of menstrual products. I learned a lot during those episodes. We definitely do sound pretty smart, even though it took us quite a bit of uh, research to get us to that point. Mm-hmm. So now we are going into season two of Red Dot Project. What do we have in store? Well, you'll have to wait and find out. <laughs> Leave them all in suspense. Yes, exactly. Okay, perfect. Cue the intro. <laughs> This is Red Dot Project. I'm Phil. And I'm Haley. And this podcast is about menstruation, homelessness, social justice, gender equality, field of social service work, and pretty much anything else that we come up with hours before we record. <laughs> minutes even. Yeah, minutes, yeah. <laughs> or just right now when we're recording, we think of whatever. But either way, Today, we do have something planned, and today we are talking about... Language, use of language, and words that need to change. Yes. So, I was thinking, like everyone else does at this time of the year, or probably a little before, I'm a little late with it, but what's your New Year's resolution? Uh, Mine is to get better at replying to people, like over text or messages and stuff like that, because I'm really bad at forgetting when someone messages me and then I just don't respond for days <laughs> like oops sorry oh I thought you just didn't like me no okay. <laughs> okay well I will help you with that and I will just text you more then yes and just bug me until I respond <laughs> good I'm glad everyone heard that <laughs> What is going to be my New Year's resolution this year? There are a few words I just need to erase from my vocabulary. And especially when I say them, I just know I've made a mistake. Today we are talking about language, and we're going to talk about some of the words that we often hear and we often use, but we don't actually understand maybe some of the history of it, and maybe it's why it's wrong and why we shouldn't be using them. We have a couple of different phrases and words that we are going to cover What's the first one we have today? The first one that I think we can all agree people should stop saying is retard. This is a word that comes from the Latin word retarder, and that means to make slow, delayed, or keep back or hinder. In the late 15th century, it came from the French word, which means to make slower, slower, restrain, hold someone back or keep someone from doing something. And in 1788, it was used to describe someone with a disability, as in a retardation delay. And in 1895, it was also used to describe someone with a disability, and this time it was used in the context of calling someone a retarded person. Around the 1960s and 70s, the term started being used as an insult to describe someone who's stupid. And today, it's still used in this way, and it's very hurtful to people with intellectual or developmental disabilities and their families. Mm -hmm, For sure. I've done quite a bit of work in my career working with people with developmental delays, 
and different diagnoses. And it used to actually be a diagnosis where they used to be diagnosed with the diagnosis of mental retardation. Mm-hmm. And I think in the States, it's actually used up until very recently, always used as a official diagnosis. So the word hasn't really gone away, but definitely it evolved into this insult that we hear on the playgrounds and basically anywhere else quite often. So I think there's been numerous campaigns that we've seen from different agencies asking people to stop using the R word. And uh, let's hope that's one of the words that we just don't talk about anymore. Yeah, it can be a tough one to challenge, I guess, when you're working in the field, clients, and you can't really tell them to change their language, especially when it's in the middle of a crisis and they're using that type of language so it's something that can be difficult but it's definitely important to try and just create a more inclusive and respectful atmosphere for sure so we have other words the next word that we wanted to highlight was moron this is a word maybe i don't hear as much but it's still definitely around and Probably we've all heard it before. This term was invented in 1910 by a psychologist named Henry Goddard. It comes from the Greek word moros, which means dull, godless, and foolish. Uh, Henry used the term to describe an adult with the mental age of 8 to 12 on the Binet scale. He thought that all developmental, intellectual, and physical disabilities were products of a single recessive gene and used the term moron to also describe someone who has low intelligence and displays behavioral deviance. He began using it in the early 20th century to describe someone who is stupid, idiotic, and foolish. The term is still used in society and is hurtful for those with intellectual, physical, or developmental disabilities and their families, as its origination was never an appropriate or politically correct term and has always been offensive. I think I read some other things about this Henry Goddard guy. Like, he was a pretty bad person. <laughs> I think something about, like, he wanted to, like, send people off to an island that, you know, weren't, like, the best of the best or something like that. So I don't think there's any reason to really continue using any words that he's invented if this is sort of where his mindset was at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I've heard of him before, but I don't remember where or why. Mm-hmm. Probably something of that nature. So what's the next one we have? Uh, The next word is lame and uh, this comes from the old English word llama not the animal uh, which means to be crippled, paralytic, or weak and there is also a origination that's proto-Germanic and it's the same word llama means weak-minded Uh, There's actually multiple originations from different languages, such as uh, Norse languages and Dutch and Old Frisian. So the term lamb, which means to be broken, to break, or it also has derivatives meaning crippled. It has also been used to refer to sort of people who are disabled as a collective, the lame and can also mean to thrash, break, flog, or disable. When used to refer to people who are disabled, it was often uh, used to describe people being crippled in the feet or hands, disabled by disease, imperfect, or socially awkward. And this was 
a term that was used this way, especially in, in Old English around the, the 14th century. In the 17th and 18th century, it began being used to describe mail or news that was old or out of date, and it uh, is now used to describe something or someone that's uncool, unappealing, or inadequate, which is oppressive to those with disabilities because it was once used to describe people who were quote-unquote crippled. You don't hear it used in that sense, I guess, so much anymore, but the context is still there for anyone who knows the origins of the word, so it's still one of those things that just goes back to, to something that's not correct nowadays that you probably wouldn't call someone if you knew what it meant. Yeah, and I think my understanding of how the kids use it these days is usually when they try to describe something that sounds uncool Mm -hmm. or something that's not what they want to hear. They'll just say lame. And it's too bad if that word is starting to be a little more popular again. We need to sort of cut that off right away before it finds its way back into our common vocabulary that we hear. On a side note, when you kept on saying llama, I was just thinking, do you know what the difference is between a llama and an alpaca? Not really. Me either. I think <laughs> we need to look that up. Yeah. We have our handy technician in the background. <laughs> He's going to look that Fact up for checker. us. Yeah. <laughs> because llamas, like the animal, are so popular right now. Yeah. And like alpacas, there's all these like puns. Like, alpaca, mm-hmm. my bags. <laughs> like, llama puns. So did uh, Napoleon Dynamite have a llama or a paca? Alpaca. A llama. It a llama, right? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Tina. <laughs> Do we have confirmation on that? Okay, so the difference are their ears. Alpaca's ears are short, spear-shaped ears, while llamas have longer, banana-shaped ears. Mm. Okay, well, that's an easy one to start with. Their size, alpacas are generally weigh in around 150 pounds, while llamas weigh as heavy as 400 pounds. Oh, holy smokes. Okay, their faces. Llamas have longer faces. And alpaca's face is a bit more blunt, giving it a more smooshed-in look. Their purpose. Over 5,000 years, alpacas have been bred for fiber. Oh, wait a second. I think it means like their, their wool. Oh. Yeah. Bread. Okay, bread for fiber. Okay, mm-hmm. I thought like, they like ate them for <laughs> a source of fiber. Okay, that sounds a little better. Well, llamas have been bred for the same amount of time as pack animals and meat. Okay, so we eat llamas, we use alpaca fur. Or fur? I guess Wool. hair? Wool? Yeah. Okay. It's really soft. I have a scarf made out of it from Peru. Ooh. Is it a pashmina? Kind of. No, we won't get into the difference of pashmina and know. scarves. So another one called like a ver- Vercunia or Vercunia or something. It's another. It's another animal in that family. I remember from when I was in Peru. <laughs> and yeah, they so much stuff there is like made out of alpaca wool. It's like especially baby alpaca. I guess they're the softest. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is not a podcast about llamas or <laughs> alpacas. As much as I'm sure you'd be listening intently on that we are going to go back and look at the word crazy so crazy originated in the 1570s to describe someone who is sickly or diseased closely tied to the word insane which is another word that isn't very good to use and because a term for those who 
fallout of the societal norm of mental health. In 1580 and late 16th century, English term for broken, impaired, and full of cracks. So at this time, those who fell under this category were treated as deviant, evil, possessed, and often were chained and put in inhumane living conditions and were dehumanized. The term was to describe a person further marginalized those suffering with mental illness and used as an insult to describe any person who is behaving out of the norm. They are actually suffering from a chemical imbalance in the brain. So to be called something like crazy would not be something that would be fair to them if it's obviously there's something physical happening. And then when you use it just in everyday language, like how do we use it now? We hear people say things like, oh, that's so crazy. That's so cray. Do they usually say cray cray or is it just crazy or cray? I'm getting a little too old for this. <laughs> Should have done a little more research, but uh, like we all know how we use the word crazy now. Yeah, and I think this one especially has a, a gendered context because it's often used to describe women, especially at you know times when women are you know, menstruating or, or going through a, another kind of hormonal change or Im- imbalance. So like, oh, she's crazy. She's acting crazy. Yeah. And, you know, women used to be institutionalized or hospitalized for like being hysterical or having hysteria and they would just really be experiencing something like a hormonal imbalance, uh, something like postpartum depression or something like that and it would just be considered crazy or hysterical mm-hmm. so it's yeah definitely something that i think is more often used to to describe women and it's definitely something that should be changed yeah and also another way it's used to describe women is when men want to justify maybe treating an ex-girlfriend poorly they would say mm-hmm. oh she's so crazy she did this to me she did that to me and then once she's labeled as the crazy ex-girlfriend it makes it much more okay for them to you know do things just you know that aren't very nice dump them with no reason or or dump them through text or just ghost them or Mm -hmm. anything like that it just gets justified when you label a woman as the crazy ex-girlfriend yeah if a guy thinks that a woman is acting crazy it's probably because of something that they did so (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and this is the one word that i well one of many but this is one of the words that i am really actively trying to get out of my vocabulary just just when i describe something that's like sounds maybe either outrageous or sounds you know extreme or something like that and you just so easily say oh that's so crazy and every time I say it I I catch myself I'm like oh man (laughs) yeah yeah, I do the same and it's just something that you have to think of an alternative word and then just try to replace it every time it comes up in a situation where you're trying to describe something that's just out of the ordinary or you know, different because even catch myself saying it like at, at work and stuff and especially working with people who experience a lot of mental health challenges it can be oppressive so mm-hmm. to try and take that out of my vocabulary yeah for sure and especially people who experience maybe some struggles managing their mental health they've heard that term used against them so often that they could easily be triggered by it because nobody wants to be called that in a real, I guess, by the definition of the term, because it's hurtful. And even when you say it as a joke to somebody who's 
been hearing that as a way to describe them in real life, uh, you know, in a serious manner, it can be very upsetting. You know, again, we hear more and more people are having challenges with their mental health more than ever, and you don't know who has heard some of those terms in a negative way. And if you just throw it around as much as we have been, you know, you're, you're opening yourselves up for situations where you're going to have to own your ignorance to being insensitive to other people's experiences, especially with that word. Okay, let's move on. We are going to look at a few words that are mostly pertaining to the LGBT community that we see in our everyday language that we should probably find ways to either use them correctly and in doing so we remove the ways that we've been using them negative way. I think with words like these ones, we people who aren't part of the LGBT community often use them as insults to call other people these words in a way to make them seem, I guess, you know, they, they tie them to meanings such as not cool or not desirable and things like that. But when you confront people on using these words, they say that's not their intent. But it, when you actually stop and think about it, it's quite clear where it's coming from. And it's often coming from a pretty bad place. So the first one is when we say things are gay or we say, you know, that's so gay or in a negative way, then we see a lot of times been thrown out a lot in a lot of different places. But the term in the word originated as describing carefree and bright. It was established in the 1960s as a term used to describe the male homosexual community. There's a great organization called the 519, and they describe the word as a person whose physical, emotional, spiritual attraction is to people of the same gender. Sometimes it's used as an umbrella term for the LGBT community, also preferred term for the gay community in place of homosexual. And so again, gay has become a negative descriptive word in society, and it's often used as a way to imply something is gay, is to imply that it's from the gay community, which is in the person who's saying it, usually meaning it's from a bad place or a bad thing. The next one is queer. So the origin of this word is relating to the to sexual or gender identity that does not correspond to established ideas of sexuality and gender. In the late 19th century, queer was used as an aggressive derogatory term. Uh, some members of the LGBTQ community have reclaimed the word and presented it as a positive and proud political identifier. It's kind of similar, the way that it, it's used sometimes is kind of similar to when people say, oh, that's gay, like kind of means something is like weird or bad or like abnormal. As far as I know, I, th I think the queer can also be used as an umbrella term mm -hmm. as well. So you hear like the queer community as much as it's also a specific identity, it's also used as an umbrella term. Yeah, or like gender queer, right? It just kind of refers to anyone who, mm -hmm. who's non-gender binary, like mm -hmm. who doesn't necessarily identify as male or female, covers sort of the whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. So the next word that we have is transvestite or tranny. The origin is defined as a cross-dresser. So this word, even though it's sort of within our society right now, we, we often mix up cross-dressers and transgendered people, and we use those words interchangeably still, which is not accurate because they're two very different things. So cross-dressers are males who may be gay or may not be, and they dress as females, 
for the purpose of entertainment. Tranny is a derogatory term used to dehumanize transgendered people. Transgendered people are not drag queens, so that's something that we have to be very clear about and we understand. So for example, I know a lot of people get confused when they talk about someone like RuPaul, and now that he has that uh, very popular TV show, a lot of people talk about it, about how that helps the trans community, but again, it's a very different thing. And then we have one more. All right, so the last one on the list is fag or faggot. Uh, the origin of this word is a term to describe a bundle of sticks or a bunch and it grew into a negative and vulgar term that was used to target gay men predominantly. This turned into a term associating negative personality traits or actions when someone would observe a person behaving in a way that they thought signified that they were gay, then people would use the term fag or or faggot. And uh, it's linking negatively to uh, gay communities and a derogative slang. So there is an an article in The Guardian which is uh, discussing one instance of reclaiming uh, the word faggot by someone in uh, the gay community who was targeted by this word and uh, the quote is faggots are beautiful brave humans who have overcome the loss of a generation of elders to AIDS continue to approach life with grace despite exclusion from their families and friends jobs and homes so it kind of shows an example of how people are trying to reclaim some of these words that have been used to target them and make them feel excluded from society and turn it into something more positive and really show their resilience in the face of being targeted and just being discriminated against. All right, so let's take a break. And when we get back, we have a few more phrases and terms that you may not have known were coming from offensive places and often racist places that we use all too often that we probably should look at changing. We'll be right back. Haley, what's your form of content consumption? Uh, Usually I read uh, CBC News or listen to the radio. How about tweeting? Do you tweet? No, not anymore. (laughs) Do you use the gram? No, I've kind of, like, become a very anti-social person, anti-social media person. I'm not like I'm against it, I just, like, kind of stopped using it. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of turning into more of a... How many cats do you ...conversation own? about social media. Zero. <laughs> I'm not allowed to have cats. My boyfriend is allergic. <laughs> okay, well, what if I told you there is a place where I could send you online where you don't have to interact with anyone, you don't have to like any posts, <laughs> and you don't have to double tap on any pictures, and you could get pretty current information of things that are happening around the world. I would like that very much. Well, we do have a blog on our website, www.red.projectToronto.com. Org. If you go and check us out, we are trying to upload posts weekly now, and you will be able to come and find some of the things that are happening around the world. I like that. You stay informed without having to listen to other people's opinions that I don't agree with. 
Yes. <laughs> and, you know, we strive to bring real news, none of the fake stuff. We scour the internet to come up with stories that are relevant and that hopefully intrigue you. So please check out our website. Again, www.red.projecttoronto.org. What is it, Haley? www.red.projecttoronto.org. Check it out today. Welcome back to Red Dot Project. Uh, we are going to continue our conversation about words or terms that are perhaps politically incorrect and should no longer be used in 2019. So terms that we are going to talk about now are terms that are racially insensitive or prejudiced. Exactly. So the first one is one that we probably all use quite a bit, actually. And we just never really thought about it. But the first one I have here is gypped or jip. So this is often the slang word that we use when we feel like we've been cheated or swindled, if anyone uses that word. It dates back to the 1890s. About 100 years before that, jip was used as a university slang for a servant who waited on students. Other sources agree that this is probably associated with the term for a term for gypsies or Roma people. So when often people complain that they were gypped by you or gypped in general, basically perpetuating that stereotype that Roma people used to be swindlers and servants and how that's just, you know, not cool to be stealing or tricking people. The next one, I didn't know until I've read about it is one like long time no see which you hear all the time it's like one of those like small talk phrases you use ironically because like you've seen them like the day before and then you see them the next day and you're like hey long time no see and you chuckle and then you go on with your day but actually that term was used to mock indigenous people when they used to say it to people that they haven't seen for a while another one that we hear and use quite often is no can do and that was a term that a lot of people used to mock Chinese immigrants when they said they couldn't do something they used no can do they, that's what they used to say and then people started copying them in a very I guess mocking manner which uh, isn't really cool now that we think about it uh, we know it's not really cool to do things like that. The one thing that always, like, I never knew the origin of those phrases, but especially, like, long time no see, and just, it's grammatically incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> just don't say it, like, because of that. And now I know also, like, the, the origin behind it. So another reason to eliminate that from your vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Another one I didn't know it was a thing, but apparently if anyone watched the Boondock Saints, they would have uh, learned about it, and clearly I didn't, and may have lied and said I have just to sound cool, because I think everyone everyone who's cool has probably seen it, but uh, apparently not me. And they explain the term rule of thumb. So apparently this term originated when Sir Francis Buehler ruled in 1886 that a man could beat his wife with a stick no thicker than his thumb, and that created that term and that um, idea that... Uh, you were able to do that as long as the stick was a certain width and it was okay. Now it's like kind of used to describe, I don't even know how you would put it, like the general rule of something or just like how something like usually goes. Yeah, I think 
yeah, how would yeah. how do people use it in a sentence? As a rule of thumb, yeah, we don't like do something this. that's kind of generally accepted, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah, yeah, don't use it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> because beating your wife is not accepted, no matter how wide the stick is. No, not at all. So the next couple of terms uh, that we have actually are terms that were used in derogatory ways towards originally indigenous people in North America. So the first one was off the reserve, which I don't know if I heard too, too much, but I know it's a thing. I've heard it before. People use this phrase nowadays to describe someone who is deviating from what is expected of them. But basically, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, and someone might say to you, you're off the reserve right now, but back in the 19th century, it had a very different meaning where the phrase literally referred to Native Americans breaking strict U.S. government rules by leaving their designated reservation land without proper authority. Um, Local authorities would send telegrams with messages along with the line of, currently no Indians are off the reserve without authority, or we've located a band of Indians living off the reserve and plan to arrest them. So obviously that dates back to a time when the government, they wanted to keep Native people, Native and Indigenous people in certain areas, and then if you weren't following by those rules, you were off the reserve. So that's sort of how we carried it through when we tell people who aren't following through with what they're supposed to. I think it's also almost used in the same way as like crazy. It's like, oh, you're off the reservation. It's like you're mm-hmm. doing something like, oh, yeah, like unexpected or like, yeah, kind of just not normal <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, something that's just out of the ordinary. So I just feel like anyone who still says Indian needs to get a serious lesson in <laughs> yeah. like history and, and just like indigenous studies like how can you seriously still use that term mm-hmm. in this year like <laughs> it's so outdated and inappropriate the last one that we have here for today is one that actually is probably gaining a lot of popularity right now well you hear a lot of the kid these days uh, not even kids just People in general, they they use the term savage or savage AF. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, the term savage was usually used to describe someone who does something particularly cold-blooded or ruthless or cool, and they show, like, absolutely no remorse when they're doing it. So it's often used as a term of, like, praise. Like, good for you, you know, that's so savage that you did that, or this person's so savage. Kind of like when someone has a good, like, insult or like come yeah. back and then someone else would be like that's savage <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah i think with this podcast kids everywhere are going to stop using it because of how uncool we just made it sound <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's okay because historically the word was used to dehumanize indigenous people over and over again it was a way for the leaders in north america particularly to use this term to describe them as a way to make them seem like they're inhuman they're not as equal the real definition for savage is fierce violent and uncontrolled brutal or vicious person so all these i guess words that you would describe animals not necessarily humans in this way so in canada sir john a Macdonald used this word to describe indigenous people 
in a way to justify why we needed things like residential schools. So he wrote, when the school is on the reserve, the child lives with its parents who are savages. He is surrounded by savages and through he may learn to read and write his habits and training and mode of thought are Indian. He is simply a savage who can read and write. The Indian children should be withdrawn as much as possible from the parental influence and the only way to do that would be to put them in central training industrial schools where they will acquire the habits and mode of thought of white men. Again, like the repeated use of the term savage in this little thing that Sir John A. Macdonald wrote basically as a way to really make it seem like these indigenous people were not human. They weren't at the same level as the white man and the children had to be removed in order to save them. But now we hear the children are using it a lot more. Again, I think I came to the conclusion that I blame the Kardashians for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's uh, let's move on because we have a special announcement to make. Over at Red Dot Project, we are so luckily able to accommodate and host and have work with us two very lovely people that are interns for this, I guess, first quarter of this year. So we want to bring them along and we have an announcement to make with them, but let's introduce them first. And first up, we have Natalie. Hello, everyone. My name is Natalie Dragota and I'm a 25-year-old social service work student at Seneca College King Campus. I was eager to become part of the Red Dot Project as someone who has personally experienced the hardship of being able to afford menstrual products as a student, I recognize my own privilege and I have realized that women experiencing homelessness are at an even higher risk of not being able to afford something that is a necessity. I do not believe any person should have to choose between buying food or menstrual products when menstrual products are as integral as toilet paper. I also experience stigmatization and embarrassment around menstruating as a young girl and do not feel any person should be ashamed, uncomfortable, when menstruating or apprehensive about discussing a natural monthly bodily process. All right. Well, that was the easiest interview I had. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome, Natalie. So how have we been treating you so far? Very, very good. And I've been learning quite a lot as well. So uh, we also have another student, like we said. So let's bring on Ryan. Ryan, how's it going? Going good, though. Hi. Good. My name is Ryan Nolan, and I'm a mature student. Very happy to be back at school. I'm enrolled in the social service program as well, and I'm really happy and excited to be a part of the Red Dot Project. I think the biggest thing that I'll be focusing on is learning how to best become an ally and develop the skills that I'll need when entering the field. So, yeah. Perfect. So, what have you been up to so far with us here at Red Dot Project? So, on the weekend, we were lucky enough to do the Women's March on Toronto, which, although the weather was not so good, was quite a lot of fun. And uh, we also went down and did the monthly kits. So we went down and handed out the kits. So to be a part of that was also quite an experience. I, I believe for both of you, this was your first experience at a rally, march, protest type event. What was that like for both of you? I think just to kind of see the scope and to, to kind of be in a setting with so many like-minded people. Even though the weather was not so great, everybody came out and just the passion that was around was it's exciting. Natalie? I found it to be extremely empowering to be there and I really enjoyed the energy and the enthusiasm in the crowd and the fact that everyone came out regardless of the weather conditions. The sign of the march goes to the gentleman who simply put 
patriarchy is for dicks. <laughs> Big, bold letters. And he, he was very proud to hold that sign, and I, I think that that one takes the cake for me. <laughs> Natalie, is there any other sign that you saw that stands out? Uh, my personal favorite was Big Uterus Energy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you actually had a good sign that you made. Do you remember what it was? Um, yes. So on the sign that I made, I used a quote. I'm very sorry. I'm not going to be able to give credit to the person right now because I don't remember her name who originally said it. But the quote was, I am not free if any woman is unfree, even if her shackles are different than my own. And I like it because it, it pretty much signifies that if there's anything going on around the world that is gender-based, because there's a unity in all of us, it affects all women. For sure, and that's such a third-wave feminism, you know, intersectional type of thing where, like, we are definitely needing to remember that we have, if not all women are moving forward, then women aren't moving forward. It's not okay to leave people behind. And mm-hmm. so that's where we're at, and I'm really happy to see at least within this march, the, the Women's March on Toronto, one of the big things that they really focus on is this intersectionality and ensuring there's good representation with all their speakers that they are inviting and having uh, this diversity up on stage and showing them to all of us. And they are able to talk about all the great work that they have been doing. Kind of speaks to the idea that there are a bunch of different issues and challenges related to sexism or uh, gender discrimination like around the world and not one of them is worse or like you know the only one that that women experience so we kind of like it's just different right like everywhere so we kind of have to take all of those different issues and, and challenges into account and try to eliminate them and, and not say like oh we need to solely focus on eliminating one thing um, because that may not affect uh, someone else as much as it affects you and that doesn't mean that their experience is you know invalid so either of you or both of you what was the weekend the sunday like sunday was very nice um we walked around several locations in toronto and, and went to several shelters and distributed some menstrual kits. So some of them were tampons, some of them were pads, and then other kits were mixed. It was nice because we got to speak directly with some of these individuals as well as talk to people that worked at the shelters as well. I, I think the coolest part for me, just kind of looking back on it, was it was really the first exposure to frontline work. And I think that even though there was not as many people out, as I'm sure there is in the summer to interact with, just to kind of have that face-to-face interaction and see kind of everything coming full circle was was awesome to be a part of. I still need to learn my way around Toronto. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) We aren't just having you here just to kill time. Uh, You two actually have an announcement you want to make. So now's your chance. Okay, so starting next week, we're going to be recording our own podcast. So the title of it's going to be Going With The Flow, and it's going to be talking about a lot of issues that we've been focusing on during our time at the Red Dot Project, and uh, most of them will be central centralized around the blog that we've, uh, we've been posting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what's going to be happening from now on, you're, you're going to hear a podcast that will be mainly 
hosted by myself and Haley. And then the other week, you'll hear one that's going to be hosted by Ryan and Natalie. And what difference there are is usually Red Dot Project will focus on one topic and go in a bit more detail. And then for your uh, podcast will be a little bit more shorter bites of current much more, I guess, current events that are happening that you too are writing about that you can find on the blog also. So check out the blog at www.red.projecttoronto.org and you can find it there. And if you like reading, then you can read there and you can listen to the podcast. Both works fine. So thanks, Natalie and Ryan, for stopping by. And we look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you. So Haley, that's the music playing right now in the background. You hear it? Here. Yeah, so yeah, that's that. been a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does that mean? That means that we've come to the end of another episode of Red Dot Project, the first of season two and the first of many to come, thanks to our new lovely co host. And yeah, looking forward to what this year has in store. Yes, me too. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, then please rate and subscribe to us and you can find us on all the platforms that host the best podcasts ever such as apple and google and we're on podbean and we're on a couple other places probably too uh so look around and you can find us share us with your friends let them know about us and check out our website check out our blogs our social media we have facebook instagram twitter We're just everywhere. So please support us, help us out. This is a means for us to get us to be able to discuss some of these topics that are really important to people within Toronto and also discuss a lot of the work that we do in our daily lives, such as working towards advocacy and solutions uh, for people who are affected by homelessness and menstruation in our city. So until next time, bye.